At that time, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Together were Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two others of his disciples. Simon said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We also will come with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When it was already dawn, Jesus was standing on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, have you caught anything to eat? They answered him, No. So he said to them, Cast the net over the right side of the boat, and you will find something. So they cast it and were not able to pull it in because of the number of fish. So the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tucked in his garment, for he was lightly clad, and jumped into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, for they were not far from the shore, only about a hundred yards, dragging the net with the fish. When they climbed out on shore, they saw a charcoal fire with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter went over and dragged the net ashore, full of 153 large fish. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come, have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they realized it was the Lord. Jesus came over and took the bread and gave it to them, and in like manner the fish. This was now the third time Jesus was revealed to his disciples after being raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon Peter answered him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. Then he said to Simon Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon Peter answered him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was distressed that Jesus had said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Amen, amen, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to dress yourself and go where you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. He said this signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had said this, he said to him, Follow me. The Gospel of the Lord. Peter said to the others, I'm going fishing. I can relate so well to Peter, and maybe all of us can in some way. Here is Peter, who has literally seen a man, a dead man, raised from the dead. Jesus has appeared to him 
twice. And his response to this truly incredible fact, he's seen a dead man eat in front of him who has been raised from the dead. He more or less says when he says, I'm going fishing, this whole following Jesus thing doesn't seem to be working out, so I'm just going to go back to what I know. Maybe this Lenten season was super fruitful for you. Maybe it was just par for the course, pretty average. Maybe you really entered into the Triduum, the three days of celebrations leading up to the culmination at Easter. And maybe you felt this incredible joy on Easter Day. Or maybe you didn't. Regardless of how we experience day one of Easter, here we are in basically day 14 of Easter, and I'm betting pretty good money most of us are living like business as usual. Well, that was nice that we did Lent. That was nice that we had Easter. Now time to get on to the next thing. Now time to get back into the ordinary rhythm of things. Isn't it so relatable to have Peter as this model who's literally seen something that has never, ever happened in the history of mankind, a dead man rising from the dead, and rather than changing his life, he goes back to what he already knows. Isn't that relatable? I think this is so beautiful. Arguably one of the most beautiful passages of the whole gospel, because Jesus decides to go ahead and appear a third time because he realizes the disciples probably haven't gotten it yet, that something has changed with him rising from the dead. And he decides to enter in to a really painful part of Simon Peter's immediate past, right? (laughs) The night that Jesus is betrayed, Peter denies even knowing Jesus three times. It doesn't get much more traumatic than that. For someone who professed to say, I will go and die with you, Lord, to then say, I don't know who that is. That's a pretty big shift in 24 hours. It's a real low point. In the face of this threefold denial, Jesus comes to Peter and asks him, not surprisingly, three times, Peter, do you love me? And three times, Peter has the opportunity to say, Lord, you know that I love you. Which is also to say, I'm so sorry for the three times that I said I not only didn't love you, that I didn't even know you. It's so powerful as we go through the Easter season because the first reading, we're always hearing from Acts of the Apostles. And we're looking at two different characters. We have Peter in Acts of the Apostles, who's filled with boldness and courage in proclaiming that Jesus is risen from the dead. And in the gospel, we're hearing about Peter that's not quite there yet. He's not yet convicted. His life hasn't really changed yet. He's not willing to suffer for Jesus quite yet. But we know what does eventually happen. So the question I want to pose to all of us, as we are in the thick of this 50-day season of celebration, has Jesus changed our life in such a way that our life looks different because of Jesus? Do we behave any differently than anyone else the other 
six days of the week? Or would people hold up our life and the life of someone who doesn't even believe in God and would they say, eh, more or less living the same life? Is there any difference between the two? If I'm being honest, though I am a priest, obviously there's differences in my life as a priest and the normal person, but so easily even I as a priest can live as though Jesus is not currently alive and risen from the dead and in our midst. This didn't just happen 2,000 years ago. Jesus is alive and well today. Would anyone know by looking at our life, looking at how we speak, looking at what we do in our free time, looking at our conversations with other people, would they say, this person lives as though Jesus is risen from the dead and that it's changed their life? I would argue that probably over 98% of Christians aren't really distinguishable from anybody else because some point down the road or maybe at no point during our journey have we actually encountered the risen Lord and his power and in a particular way his mercy that we celebrated last Sunday. Yep, Jesus is merciful. Amen. Hallelujah. When I die, he's going he's gonna to have mercy on my soul. What about right now? Has he had mercy on your soul today, right now? Has he met you in those really embarrassing and low points of your life as he met Peter in this really low moment of his life? This moment for Peter changed everything. Jesus was willing to go there with Peter and to say to Peter, I love you even though you did that. One of the great joys that I have as a priest, arguably the greatest joy that I have as a priest, is when people give Jesus permission to meet them in the lowest and darkest places of their life. Maybe it's not even someone that has necessarily been outside of the church and they come back, though that is an amazing joy as a priest. Maybe it's someone that's been sitting in the pews week after week, but something from their past continues to haunt them. And finally, by the grace of God, they have the ability to vocalize it, probably in confession. Father, I've never shared this with anyone. Father, I've never confessed this before. And they allow Jesus to come into that place. They walk out of that confessional, they walk out of that conversation, new men and women that actually want to share about Jesus with other people because it actually made a difference. He's actually made a difference in their life. On the contrary, or in conjunction with that, one of my other great joys as a priest is seeing people that have been tremendously hurt by other people in their life. And they not only express contrition and sorrow for what they've done, they have the grace as we're talking, as we're praying together, to do as we say in every single Our Father. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. These are the two biggest lacking elements in our current culture and in the Catholic Church. And the reason why we haven't experienced more renewal and more fire in the Holy Spirit and that we're hemorrhaging 
people young and old, but especially the young from our pews. Because people haven't experienced mercy, they haven't asked for forgiveness for those areas of darkness. And hand in hand with that, they have yet to forgive those who have trespassed against us. We do not understand mercy until we have been forgiven and until we have until we have been forgiven, until we have forgiven. Jesus has mercy on on us, though we do not deserve it, as Peter did not deserve to be healed and to be set free from the guilt of betraying God to the point of him dying on a cross. Peter didn't deserve it. We don't deserve it. And only when we have been, been forgiven are we then able to have the grace to choose, not to feel, to choose to forgive those who have trespassed against us. We've all hurt people and we've all been hurt by people, but not all of us are living as though we have repented from hurting others and God and not actually, not actually extending the forgiveness we first received from God to other people. These are two human, humongous obstacles. So as we move forward, Jesus is inviting us to humble ourselves again, to come back to him on our knees and to say, Jesus, I'm so sorry for the things that I've done. Maybe for the first time for things that we've never had the courage to confess before. And then hand in hand with that, he's inviting us to have the courage to forgive others as he has first forgiven us to the point of dying on the cross for us. This is the Christian message. This is what is so countercultural and counter to all of the values of our world that say, if you are hurt, you hurt them back. If you have done wrong, that's okay because you do you. It doesn't matter what you do. These are lies. These are lies that are compromising our souls and ultimately our happiness and our peace. Jesus wants so much more than we even want for ourselves. He wants our joy and our peace even more than we want them. But we're not putting ourselves in a position to receive them. And so I pray as we move forward that we can humble ourselves. We can go back to confession. That we can choose to say out loud because there is an efficacy in saying something out loud. We're declaring not just to God, but also to the evil one that manipulates any hurt that we have received and that has yet to be forgiven. I pray that we can have the courage to say out loud every single time that anger, that bitterness, that resentment well up in our hearts, Jesus, I forgive them. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. Jesus, I choose now to forgive them. Jesus, bless them. These two things will change your life, and you'll want to share with other people. As a priest, again, it's been so beautiful for me to see people's lives transformed. And wouldn't you know, because their lives have been transformed, they have invited other people to come back and to experience the same transformation. I myself am still a work in progress. I continue to be healed in a more and more deep way. And even as, I've been dry, even as I drove here, I realized I'm a little bit overdue for going to confession. Not because I've committed any big sins that I'm aware of, 
but because I need to be regularly bathed in Jesus' blood that's poured out on me every single time I go to confession. I need to be renewed in that mercy. I need to taste and see that He does not hold these things against me, so I shouldn't hold them against myself, and then therefore I shouldn't hold the things that others do against them either. So I'm just going to pray for us that we can taste and see the goodness of the Lord right now, that we can taste and see His mercy, and that we might be set aflame anew with His Holy Spirit that is longing to transform us if only we give Him permission. Jesus, You are good. You are the Good Shepherd who has laid down Your life for us, Your flock that so easily betray You, that so easily abandon You. Jesus, we repent. We say we are sorry for any of the ways that we have hurt you, our relationship with others, and even our relationship with ourself. Jesus, we repent of any of the ways that we have held, withheld for forgiveness to other people that have trespassed against us. And we ask you, Jesus, right now, Jesus, I forgive them. Jesus, please bless them. As you manifest yourself completely body, blood, soul, and divinity on this altar. Jesus, fill our hearts with new fire. Fill our hearts with new fire, new love, new joy, new peace. The peace that we are longing for. We do not want to go back to business as usual. We want to be transformed in the fire of your love. Jesus, fill us with your love. Jesus, fill us with your mercy. Jesus, fill us with your joy. Amen.